Dominic, what is happening right now? Coy, we're at a font party. What? what? Party? A font party, Pippa. It's a party where all the guests here are typefaces. They're fonts. Awesome, I think. <laughs> So, all fonts, they have personalities, right? And what better way to see those personalities come to life than to go to a font party? Okay, so who's here? Okay, so let's see. So over uh, in the kitchen, uh, the one with the bow tie and the suspenders, that, of course, is Times New Roman. Hello. Ahoy! How good of you all to drop by. I'll be sure to tell everyone about you in a conventional but authoritative way. Ah, uh, yes. The classic, reliable, trustworthy font. I remember him from my high school essays. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us do. And, oh, look out. Over there, uh, by the beer keg, of course. I'm not going to believe uh, this. He's loud, and he's wearing cargo shorts. Uh, it's impact. So he says to him, buddy, with a face like that, you're everyone's type. <laughs> you can't miss him, can you? Mm-mm. You really, really can't. Unlike, uh, say, Ariel over there. She's sitting on the floor by the couch, the one all dressed in flowy white. Do not get cornered by Ariel. She will go on and on. Yeah, you don't <laughs> notice her at first, but then all of a sudden she's in your face. Very true. Anyway, the, the whole point of all this is... <gasps> oh, no. What? What? Who is it? Just the worst font ever. <laughs> You could throw a party without your old pal Comic Sans swinging by, did ya? It's Comic Sans, the bot so many of us love to hate. Yeah, and of course he shows up here. Of course. Who wants jello shots? He really is kind of a doofus, isn't he? He really is. Listen, let's just, you know, let's step outside for a second. The thing that bugs me about Comic Sans, it's his personality. There's too much of it, and it crowds out all the other perfectly good thoughts. So he steals the spotlight all the time. Uh Well, I mean, he's been around for decades. A lot of people know him. Yeah, and he keeps showing up everywhere. I mean, whether he's welcome or not. Yes. I mean, a whole bunch of people groaned when they realized that they could change the captions on Disney Plus to Comic Sans. Yeah, that's right. And haters also rolled their eyes when Instagram stories rolled out a font last year that looks suspiciously like Comic Sans. I mean, it's not even officially the right typeface, but it still got under a lot of people's skin. Yeah, and I'm one of those people. So, so, so look, <laughs> here's what we're going to do, all right? We're going to find out why people still are using this font for some reason. Yeah. Then we're going to learn what we can about how typography is evolving beyond it. And after that, we'll see if we can find the next generation of type designers. You know, people who are creating a future that hopefully doesn't include Comic Sans. <laughs> All right. And we're going to go back to this fun party, right? Yes, please. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. Now, who wants to watch me throw this keg out the window? Design. Creativity. Wireframe. A podcast from Adobe. Hello? Okay, somewhere at this party is a woman named Emma Tucker, and she's a Comic Sans fan for some reason. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I really want to start with her. Yeah, she's over there in the corner. Hey, Emma, hi, hello. Hey, Dom, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks. Um, guys, Emma's a senior writer at Creative Review Magazine. Uh, this is Koi. Hello. This is Pippa. Hey. 
And we were just talking about Comic Sans. Oh, my favorite person. I like it. It's a plucky typeface. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I told you guys she was a fan. You did. So Comic Sans, I looked this up earlier. It was released in 1994 by Microsoft. And the man who designed it is named Vincent Conair. Yeah, and Emma, you actually had a chance to talk to him. What did he have to say about creating it? He spoke to me about designing it to be this speech bubble, comic book style typeface that would be used in software that was aimed at kids. So in that respect, the typeface is an incredible piece of design work because it hits that target audience and it does all the things that, you know, Vincent Conner was briefed to do. So you're saying it was a specific font that was made for a specific program, but Microsoft ended up making it widely available to everybody and... Now look what it's become. Yeah, it's become a monster is what it's become. Okay, Emma, why do people like Dom hate this font so much, though? Hey. I think that they feel it's unsophisticated. And also I think designers associate it with things like desktop publishing and very simplistic and naive understanding of graphic design. Yeah, okay, I think that's fair. But I have to agree with Dom. I mean, I'm just not a fan either. Thank you. And it's not just because it's unsophisticated. I mean, it's meant to look and feel like comic book lettering, but it does a really sloppy job of it. How do you mean? I mean, it doesn't have the rhythm of really great comic book lettering, which comes from an old-fashioned nib pen. Mm-hmm. I mean, this one looks like it was drawn by a computer pretending to be a pen. <laughs> yeah, which is exactly what it is. Yeah, and the letters don't sit next to each other very well either. I mean, it's really poorly paced. Perhaps. But for some people, Comic Sans is actually the perfect choice if you are making, you know, a children's party invitation or a poster for your school or something like that, then it's the perfect choice. I mean, look, yeah, I, I get that it's great for kids, but as we talked before, it just keeps popping up in all the wrong places. Yeah, of course. Well, there's, gosh, there must be thousands of examples in the internet of Comic Sans being used inappropriately in, in the wrong places, but... Part of me thinks that's quite sweet that that person's picked that typeface without fully grasping all the ramifications. But yes, also it's amusing. So hang on, what I'm hearing here is kind of like a class war playing out, sort of, between font enthusiasts (laughs) like Dom and Koi Mm -hmm. and the rest of the world who don't think about this all that much. Okay, yeah, but you know, that divide, it gives this font more power than I think it deserves. To the point now where, honestly, it's, it's sowing actual social polarization. Like two years ago, okay, the, the, the Brexit battle in the UK was raging. Mm-hmm. And in that case, Comic Sans was kind of weaponized. How do you weaponize a font? <laughs> yeah, well, well, actually, Emma, you know this better than I do since you're in the UK. Uh, how do you remember the Brexit thing? So the UK has been in this sort of strange holding pattern where we know we're leaving Europe and it's coming. And uh, the UK's Conservative Party kind of spreading a pro-Brexit message, trying to tell everyone, you know, Brexit is going to be great. We've all got to pull together and get this thing done. And then their official Twitter account shared this pro-Brexit message that said, MPs must come together and get Brexit done in Comic Sans, Black Comic Sans, on a white backdrop. And... Everyone was horrified, Mm -hmm. obviously, because Comic Sans is totally the wrong typeface to be doing this in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Probably some people were extra horrified because uh, there's a lot of people that are anti-Brexit. Yeah. I imagine that the anti-Comic Sans brigade really, like, lost it over this one. Yeah, totally. So, Emma, tell them what happened next. 
the message was shared all over the place, of course, because people were kind of mocking Comic Sans' choice. But in the end, it actually did the Conservative Party a favour because their message, pro-Brexit message, was spread even further. Which, of course, was likely the plan all along. I guess maybe that's the dark side of Comic Sans, is that, you know, it can play on people's hatred of it to to get that message through social networks. That is really cynical when you think about Mm it. I mean, there's nothing cute about this font. I'd say it's actually a force for evil. (laughs) And yet it endures. It's like the cockroach of typefaces. (laughs) That's right. I feel pretty strongly about this. That that feels mean, but yeah, it, yeah, that's probably quite accurate. Okay, so there's got to be a reason why it sticks around. Ugh. Actually, I know somebody who would have an opinion on this, and he's definitely the kind of guy that you would find at a font party. Mm-hmm. Emma, if you'd excuse us, we need to go and find Stephen Coles. I'm sure he's around here somewhere. <laughs> Thanks, Emma. It's been way too long. I know, it's been ages. Thanks, Emma. Okay, Stephen Coles, he must be in this crowd here somewhere. Oh, hey, there's Calibri. Ford and I just figured, well, might as well get out while I'm riding high. And they said, let's come up with a few options. Uh, She must be talking about how she's going to be replaced as the default font in Microsoft Office next year. (laughs) Oh, I read that. And there's like five new fonts in contention. Microsoft wants customer feedback to help pick the winner. Right. I bet Germán isn't one of those fonts, though, right? No, I don't think so. Why? Well, because he was effectively banned by a U.S. Court of Appeals in March because apparently he's too hard to read on computers. Screens? Well, he is a pretty thin serifon. I mean, I can see that being a problem. Oh, actually, there he is right there. All we needed was a few reams of paper and a bag of staples. So this Stephen Coles guy we're looking for, he's a type expert? Yeah, that's right. He wrote the anatomy of type, and he also co-publishes fonts in use and typographica. Two really great typography websites. Mm. Well, hey, I see him talking to Windsor just in that quiet room right over there. Uh, of course he is. I mean, Windsor is so hot right now. Windsor is the new Cooper Black. <laughs> Pippa, let's go in. Uh, you get the door. On it. Avoid of personality as possible. And there's a Hey, reason. Steven. So, uh, sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt. Hi. But we were wondering if you can settle something for us. Yeah. Why is Comic Sans such a well-known and overused typeface? I mean, <laughs> what's your expert answer to that question? Sure. Um... So one of the things that happened when we all had access to computers is that we all became typesetters. And for many, many years, uh, a vast majority of the public had this group of fonts to choose from. And the only choice within that list that was considered fun or friendly or warm or playful was Comic Sans. That's why it became so heavily used. So that's how this problem started. It was the only choice of its kind for a long time. Yeah, you know what's frustrating is how there are so many much better alternatives to Comic Sans out there now. Okay, but hang on a sec. It's not like we're constantly surrounded by really expressive typefaces, are we? Mm -hmm. If, If anything, I'd say that the dominant fonts that I see in the design world are largely sans serif fonts. They don't have any of those extra little lines at the ends of the letters. They're really simple and kind of plain. Pippa, I feel like you're pointing the finger at Helvetica. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll name it. <laughs> why does it feel? <laughs> why does it feel like we live in a world that is like ruled by Helvetica and other fonts that look like it? You know, there was a lot of people following that because it felt like a safe choice. It's easy to read and it's not going to give anybody an impression that we're 
dated or that we uh, have a very particular style. So let's just go with what we know works. And then later that just, once people had set that as a baseline that you go sans serif, you know, everyone felt that they were clear and you could kind of pour in your identity into those uh, designs because they didn't have a lot of their own themselves. Look, I'm partial to these so-called bland, modernist typefaces <laughs> like Helvetica myself. I mean, I like that super clean, reserved, really orderly mm -hmm. look. But even I have to admit that it's really become quite overused over the past decade. Yeah, but you know, like, we are starting to see some more expressive types out there, right? Like, I think I'm thinking in branding, like, like uh, I'm thinking of Welch's or Chobani. Yeah. Even WeTransfer's got a website that looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think I'm starting to see a bunch of websites embracing serif typography, really beautiful stuff, fonts with personality and style. Mm-hmm. I mean, overall, I think it's a change that's been overdue for quite a while, probably. Yeah. Steven, what do you think of this? I mean, what do you think is happening out there right now? I think a lot of the purpose of using uh, a serif typeface is to bring an idea of warmth, of humanity. You get a sense that someone made these letters by hand at some point. Whereas with a geometric sans serif, it's more like it was made by a machine. I think what has happened in the last few years is a reaction to everyone moving to the same style of typeface. And um, a new kind of trend in identity design where it, people felt much more uh, willing to take a chance on more expressive identities in general. Oh, sorry, you just reminded me of something. Remember when we talked about Burger King's new logo in the first episode of this season and how much personality it had? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. One thing we didn't mention at the time is how Burger King created an entirely new custom typeface for their food packaging, which they called Flame Sam. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And they ended up with a really bold and I want to say like kind of a juicy font that looks like it's lifted from decades ago. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's this revival of what was more popular in the 60s and 70s of these typefaces that have a lot more flavor to them, a lot more expressiveness to them. Right, because the Flame Sans font, I think, wouldn't look out of place on a vintage t-shirt, right? <laughs> the trends in typography can really be compared to trends in fashion. I've heard people say, you know, type is the clothes that words wear. And it, it really is that. It's how you're communicating your personality and your values along with whatever words that you're writing. So it has a lot of power. Wow, Stephen, that's really cool, that line. What is it? Type is the clothes that words wear. Yeah, I, I love the way you describe that. You know, I mean, despite the fact that I'm a boring old modernist at heart, <laughs> I am down with this idea that you know, people are craving more humanity and type. Yeah, and Stephen, this kind of makes me wonder how this must open doors for the next generation of independent type designers. There you are. I've been looking everywhere for you guys. Hey, Lynn. Hi, Stephen. Nice to see you. Oh, perfect timing, you guys. This is Lin Yun. We have to talk to her. Yeah. I heard you were asking about fonts. We are. Get in here, Lin. <laughs> okay, Stephen, thanks. We'll catch up with you later. Yeah, thanks so much, Stephen. It was a pleasure. Bye. So, Lin is an amazing type designer. She runs a studio called Space Type Continuum. I draw type, I sketch type, I code type. Uh, basically, everything that has to do with letters. 
So, Lynn, we've been talking about the personality of fonts and how type design is trending towards more expressive fonts like yours. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe you should tell them about the font you designed called Ampersandis. Yeah. What kind of, like, personality would you say it has? If I think about Ampersandis as a person, I imagine it's this uh, uh, hippie but still millennialish tech person that's living out their lives in the woods and they <laughs> want to create everything from their own coffee table to their um, high-tech hydroponic lettuce system or something. <laughs> but I, re- <laughs> I really like this person for some reason. It, I do feel like there is this authenticness that is coming from this lifestyle. <laughs> Lynn, that is a wonderfully specific description. Here, have a look at this font on my phone. Okay. Okay, let's see. It says... Behold, ampersandist, earthy and bold. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And it really is earthy and bold. It's a serif font, but it feels really organic. The letters, they're thick. The serif lines are sharply cropped, very angular. They're like brushstrokes, I want to say. Good eye, Koi. That's not a coincidence, is it, Lynn? I think this typeface came from a perspective where I wanted to do something very different from the sands that I was seeing all over the place. And so I love doing calligraphy. So I started out with a calligraphy pen on paper and I was drawing these letters over and over again. And then after I figured that I could just expand it into more letters because there was something about it that was very interesting that I haven't seen before. Okay, well... Looking at it now, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so Lynn, you started drawing this by hand, right? And then you adapted and refined it on a computer, but you're still working on it, right? To be honest, it's still a very slow work in progress. But I think at this point, this has been a work in progress since 2016. (laughs) And I've already released one weight of it, which I would say is maybe like the first years worth of work and i'm holding the other five styles close to my heart (laughs) so how long does it usually take to design a custom font for a client just for comparison i would say at the minimum the very very minimum to create an original typeface is probably two to three months full time and I mean, that differs among every different designer, of course. But for me, I think that would be the minimum if I wanted to make something that I was proud of. Wow. Two to three months of full-time work for a single new font type. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I bet that doesn't even occur to most people, you know? Yeah, I'm sure it doesn't. So what do you think, Lynn? What would you like to see changed about how people understand the way type is designed? What I would like to see most changed from the general public about type is that they're made by real people. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. I distinctly remember I was on a fishing trip and <laughs> the the skipper, of course, we were going out to sea and he was asking everyone, what do you do, what do you do? And I said I was a type designer. And he looked at me and with a genuine look on his face, he said, I thought they were all made already. You still need to make them? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. So oh. I, I think there is this idea about typefaces and fonts that it must just be some person that they'll never meet, never see, mm-hmm. maybe already even long dead who has made them. And <laughs> I think that's the saddest part. Like we should, <laughs> we should think about typefaces just like the jam at the farmer's market. Like someone 
made it and so it exists here but they're real people <laughs> you know lynn i bet that skipper on that boat trip is a comic sans user <laughs> <laughs> okay but i do love that point you made lynn because there are so many young type designers out there right now like yourself who are doing amazing work and we should all know them better oh my bad i thought this one was empty oh look it's trey seals hey trey i see this is the place to be at hey lynn i know you were coming out here tonight Okay, so this is Trey Seals, and he is another independent type designer. Also with impeccable timing. It's almost like we planned it this way. (laughs) Almost. You guys talk to Trey. I'm going to go hang out with Roboto. Hey, Roboto, how's it going? Greetings, Lou. Take me to the Okay, so Trey's studio is called Vocal Type. Trey, um, tell them a little bit about your company. Vocal Type is kind of like a human-centered font foundry. It's not meant to be something that's super clean or super design-made. It's human-made fonts inspired by human history. I make mostly display type inspired by protest signs from different progressive movements throughout history, from the women's suffrage movement in Argentina to the civil rights movement in America. So cool. Sounds like your work must be really deeply personal, right? Given the source material. Right. Oh, yes. Um, I thought about my racial experiences, positive and negative, and thinking about diversity. And also I th- thought about my love of history and the pride I felt in learning about activists like Martin Luther King, Eva Peron, Dolores Huerta, Baird Rustin, and so many others. I wanted to share that pride with people through type. And that's kind of how vocal type came to be. Okay, let's look up your site here. It's vocaltype.co. Yeah, let me see. So, Trey, your typeface is really strong, kind of loud in a way. I mean, these are definitely fonts for making statements, right? Can you talk about this first font I see on your site here, the one that's called Martin? Martin is this super bold, sans-serif typeface, kind of condensed, and it was inspired by this protest sign that read, I am a man. And by this movement known as the Memphis Sanitation Strike of 1968. And that strike is part of American civil rights history. Martin Luther King spoke to them, right, the day before his assassination. Wow. And after Dr. King's death, they carried one that said, Honor King, End Racism. You can really see those protest signs when you look at this font. I mean, the letters are really thick in most places, but they're also kind of squished together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Reminds me a little bit of a woodcut type, a bit like an old poster that's been meticulously drawn by hand. I mean, there's a machine-like quality to it, but it's still really very human. Trey, if the typeface Martin was a person, how would you describe its personality? Ooh, that's a tough one. I would just have to say bold and outspoken, but at the same time, very articulate. Um, Like, that was the thing that really attracted me to those letters on the I'm a man sign, just how bold and quirky it was. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't apologetic about anything it had to say. Mm -hmm. It's weird. When I was making Martin and the more it started to come together, it just kind of looked like Martin Luther King, I felt. (laughs) Like, if there was a font that looked like Dr. King, I can't imagine it being anything other than this one. This typeface carries a lot of weight, a lot of meaning. Yeah, your fonts are meant to get someone's attention, right? Like, if you saw this font at a typeface party, you're going to listen to what it has to say. I feel like that kind of summarizes vocal type in all the fonts that I've released through vocal type. They have a warmth to them. There's just a human 
touch to them. Oh, I'm so glad we got to talk to you, Trey. Yeah, thanks, Trey. Yeah. Great to chat. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Look, if hearing Lynn and Trey talk about their fonts with all that passion, if that doesn't make the case for getting rid of Comic Sans <laughs> once and for all, <laughs> then I just, I don't know what will. <laughs> okay, but I do think maybe you're taking this just a little too seriously, Dom. Oh yeah, yeah, I totally am, but somebody has to. <laughs> somebody has to. Thank you, yes. Really, Comic Sans is just out for a good time, right? He doesn't overthink things, he's easy to read, which actually matters to a lot of people with reading difficulties. A lot of people love him for that. I say just let the people have their font. Well, okay, I'll give you this. The endless debate at least shows everyone that fonts <laughs> actually matter, right? So, so look, if it makes people think about how they're expressing themselves, well, I suppose that's a start. Yeah, I guess so. But guys, it's not just that. I mean, type technology itself has evolved so much since Comic Sans first came out. Mm. I mean, we've got variable fonts now. And with variable fonts, anyone can really quickly and easily get creative with font weights and font widths and readability. And it opens up type design in ways that just weren't possible before. Hmm. Yeah, and if we add that to what Stephen Cole said about how typographers are craving typefaces that are more human and have more personality, we might see Comic Sans get crowded out soon. (laughs) Yeah, it's important to remember that even if Comic Sans goes away, that doesn't mean the end of fonts with personality. We might see more fonts with personality come back. And I think that's kind of a great thing. Yeah, well, I hope you're right. Because I really want to see a future where that bozo of a font (laughs) is never seen again. Great party, you guys. Here, grab a flyer. My kid is having a big sale this weekend. I hope you can all make it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah! Oh, and then again, maybe he really is the cockroach type. Tom, you can't let Comic Sans get you down. (laughs) You know what? Forget about it. Let's go over there and see if Impact is going to throw another keg out the window. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we made sure to add links to both Lin Yun and Trey Seals' typefaces and websites to this episode's show notes. You should really go have a look because their work is really terrific. That's it. We've reached the end of this season of Wireframe. If you're craving more, check out our back catalog. We've got four seasons of episodes for you to dive into. And if you've been enjoying the series so far, please leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. This podcast is produced by Dominic Gerard, Pippa Johnstone, and me, Koi Vin, with sound design by Christian Proham. This is Wireframe, a podcast from Adobe. Find out how Adobe Creative Cloud can help you unlock your own creativity at adobe.ly slash wireframe. You're welcome! Whoa, guys, this font party is really getting crowded. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, hey, hey there, Wingding. Oh, oh, you're taking off? Okay, yeah, I'll text you later. What? No, you're the bomb. Dom, I didn't know you spoke fluent (laughs) Wingding. Yeah, well, I, I picked it up thanks to emojis. Nice.